0: of the big issues that couples have is when the woman starts telling the guy how to do it while they're doing it. There can only be one person in the driver's seat. When one person is going, you are not doing this right, while the other person is trying to drive, Mm. you know what that feels like. So these now are dynamics that can be addressed in the context of allowing experimentation, not both driving at the same time, so to speak. Maybe that switches. Maybe one person does a thing, the other one sees if that feels good. And if it doesn't, you take over and you do something else. And then it's leading and following. For leading and following, both people have to be very engaged. Dynamic leading and following is a much better way to look at the sexual aspect once you have developed your ability to be both feeling and sensitive and directed and knowing what you want then you have a ballgame essentially
1: welcome to men this way the podcast for every man who seeks to live his deepest purpose in life who's committed to showing up fully and giving his unique gifts to the world because if not you then who I'm your host and fellow journeyman, Brian Reeves. Brian with a Y, Reeves. Men, this way. In this episode, my brilliant guest is Michaela Boehm. Michaela is one of the most influential and wise teachers whose work has profoundly influenced certainly my personal life, my relational life, but also who I am as a coach and teacher. I was fortunate to study with her personally over the course of about three or four years. I was even certified by her as an intimacy and attraction workshop teacher, as she's taught me so much about relationship dynamics, sexual polarity, embodiment, and also how to be an ethical, mature coach and teacher. And there are a lot of unethical, immature, overly simplistic teachers and coaches and influencers in the world today. So I'm very grateful for her influence uh, on my journey. Now, if you've never heard of Michaela, then you've obviously not followed Gwyneth Paltrow's relationship journey. I'm just kidding. But also not, because Michaela actually is known as the intimacy coach to the stars. Her publicly acknowledged clients include Gwyneth Paltrow and also the actor Will Smith, which is cool. But what's most impressive to me about Michaela is that she combines degrees in psychology and extensive clinical counseling experience with in-depth training in the yogic arts as a classical Kashmiri tantric lineage holder. Those are big words, and they mean a lot that I won't go into here. But Michaela's approach to intimacy and relationships empowers her students through an eclectic mix of education, experiential exercises, and guided explorations that are sourced in both Eastern and western realms of knowledge and tradition. And she'll share a bit of her extensive background in our conversation. Some 35,000 client hours over decades of working with not just academy award-winning actors, producers, business pioneers, and Grammy award-winning musicians, but also for many years working in clinical settings with high trauma clients. Now, just to let you know, Our conversation starts off broad and philosophical and truly fascinating as her knowledge of human dynamics and relational dynamics is vast and deep. She takes us into the origins of the terms masculine and feminine and helps us understand why those terms actually can be harmful when rigidly applied to human relationships, especially the way so many online coaches and influencers are attempting to do these days. In the latter half of this episode, we dive into practical applications of sexual challenges that many couples face when one or both partners don't know how to just be in their bodies. And these days, truth is, most of us don't really know how to be in our bodies. So if improving your sexual experiences is something you're interested in, definitely stay tuned to the end of the episode as Michaela shares profoundly useful and practical understandings of what makes for great sex. If you're in a relationship where you or your partner often don't feel interested in sex or sex has become a struggle, this is a rich conversation and I think you'll enjoy it and be served well by it. Now, one last thing, the time is now to apply for Elevate 2024, my year-long coaching journey for men committed to thriving in every domain of life. Enrollment is now open and I'm only inviting 10 men to go through all of 2024 with me personally. On this adventure of a lifetime. If you're ready to rise above the distractions and compulsions sabotaging you from living your fullness as a man. If you're done trying to lone wolf it through life, bearing all your burdens alone, this is for you. If you're ready for a big breakthrough in your relationship or around getting clarity about your purpose, this is for you. Elevate 2024 includes personal coaching with me for an entire year alongside a select group of trustable men on this journey with you. And we'll meet in person for a five-day retreat midway through this year in a beautiful spot in nature. And through this experience, these men and I will become your brothers for life. That's all I'll say for now. Get the details, and if you dare, apply at brianreavescom slash elevate. It's Brian with a Y, reeves.com slash elevate. Now, on to my conversation with Michaela Boehm. Take a deep breath and stay present with us all the way through to the end of this episode of Men This Way. All right, let's dive. Michaela, I'm so excited to have you on Men This Way. Thank you for saying yes. It's so good to see you after all this time.
0: Yeah, it's lovely seeing you. Thank you for having me.
1: Long overdue. And also, it's just perfect timing. But I, I want to first revisit something. It's been a couple of years since I've been at one of your workshops up in Ojai at your home. And and it was I think the last time I was there, you were still rebuilding from the fire that swept through Ojai. And I remember you said something. You shared something. We were all having lunch, I think, in, in one of the breaks. and you know, your whole house, your home had burnt down. You lost beloved animals. And I mean, what did you lose in that fire? Like just a quick (laughs) snapshot of what you lost. Not a detailed (laughs) inventory, but I mean, you know, (laughs) to give the people some idea what happened.
0: Yeah, well, that's a good way to jump into things, I guess. Yeah, Yeah, well, I lost absolutely everything is, is one way of saying it. And what I mean by that is, of course, I lost the house, I lost the barns, I lost the outbuildings, cars, animals, you know, all of that. I had, um, well, the clothes I wore and a few things that were in a suitcase because I was actually out of town. Mm. But that was it. So from a, let's say, position standpoint, I lost everything. But more importantly, I think the thing that is still reverberating very strongly
1: Mm.
0: is I lost, with that, my memories. And that's something that you don't recognize or realize till way later on, which is that all the things I had in itself, you know, they're possessions, and you know, one shouldn't be so attached to one's possessions and all of that, you know, as everybody was very happy to tell me immediately after the fire. Now you know non attachment, or you can practice non attachment. Yes. But I'm not that kind of a girl to begin with. (laughs) And also, I only had things that were either extremely useful, you know, I needed them, or that had great value to me from a memory or a functional or a sentimental or beauty standpoint or ritual standpoint, however yeah. you could say that. So what I lost more than anything else is I lost an entire, let's say, body of memory and engagement that came through the books that burned many of which i can't remember the names or you know because yeah, yeah. were heirlooms or things yeah. i had picked up a long time ago i lost the connection to a lot of the people that were dear to me that had gone like my grandmother james mm. my teaching partner because mm. there were items that had memories connected to them mm. and when you don't see the items anymore You're not constantly reminded of the memories. And then that, of course, makes for a very different kind of life post-loss, so to speak. Yeah. And then, of course, the most traumatic thing in the context of that is that I lost some of my dogs. And my dogs are like my children. So that was horrendous. I also lost farm animals and things. And I also lost wider-reaching relationships that became a, let's say, a casualty of that entire loss. So there was a lot that was lost. And, uh, you know, if you ask me, what did I lose? A lot.
1: Well, one of the reasons this is so memorable for me is, and, and you were just speaking to it, is I think you shared this with me or with a few of us, again, on one of our lunch breaks, where you know people are telling you, what a great lesson in detachment Right? Like, here you get to practice all of your spirituality, Michaela. Isn't this an amazing opportunity? Kind of thing. And you were like, no fucking way. This is brutal. Yeah. This is brutal. And one of the reasons, Michaela, that even that moment was such a gift to me. You're modeling in that moment, just being human. And, you know, the years that I worked with you and with Steve James, your teaching partner, They've been so instrumental for me in, you know, I'm pushing 50, and the only reason that that's meaningful is because I think that, you know, my work has evolved and I have a lot more appreciation for the messiness of life than maybe I did in my, certainly in my twenties and even my thirties and, you know, a lot of my forties too, (laughs) but you and Steve, but you know, I've thanked you both in my book, choose her every day or leave her. I want you to know that your work continues to reverberate through me. There's so many lessons that I learned from you in studying with you over those years that I'm so grateful for. And this permission to be human is just one of them. So again, you've gifted me so much. And so I'm so grateful. And I just want to publicly proclaim that to, to all of my listeners right now. But what a guide and, and teacher that you've been mm. for me and remain. So thank you. Thank you. Yeah.
0: I want to add something to that so that to just close that loop, because yeah. the reason I said it's brutal. In my classic Austrian way of saying such things, (laughs) is because it's, I think, very important when we talk about grief and loss, not only grief and loss in the context of a fire, but also grief and loss in losing people, relationships, opportunity, is that the first thing is to always acknowledge that fully for the pain and the loss and the grief it is, and not skip over that and bypass into the lesson too early when we actually essentially remove ourselves from the soup of the human experience and the human emotional engagement and immediately bypass into the spiritual lesson or the, you know, the bright side, we're robbing ourselves of really, you know, being in the humanity that then allows us to have compassion for other people's humanity and other people's loss. And so That the first thing that is this sucks, this really, really, really sucks, is actually uh, fundamental for then moving on into, and there were good things that eventually came out of it. Right, right. But from a much more integrated place.
1: Mm. This is a great segue to where I want to really dive into our conversation today this bypassing of so much. And again, I've been guilty of this in my younger years because I just didn't know any better. I just, I want to get to the lesson. I want to avoid the pain. I want to avoid the messiness. Let's get right to the the good stuff, whatever the hell that means. And there's a great cost to that. Mm-hmm. But I'm really curious to hear from you as someone I certainly consider to be a, a wise Elder, and I don't mean old person, but I mean a true elder in this space, you know, someone who's been doing this work a long time and has who comes from a deep lineage and and has, I think, a, a profound balance of sort of Eastern a mystical approach, to put it in Western terms, you know, Eastern mystical approach, but also, you know, Western academic knowledge and skill and training as well. What do you see when you look into the world of Particularly through social media, teachers and coaches today that are teaching intimacy, polarity, maybe sexual practices, whether it's tantra or you know, feminine embodiment as a big buzzword, masculine embodiment. Like, what do you see when you look into that world? And, and just raw, what you got? I, you know, no holding back is welcome here.
0: Well, as you probably know from knowing me a bit, it, these are very nuanced things. And so when you ask me, what do I see? I see some people who are amazing and I see a lot of people who are really doing people a deserve like really strong Mm -hmm. service, Mm -hmm. but I can't generalize it in, you know, in the sense that there is a bit of everything, but let's see how I can say this. So this makes sense because why are we talking about this? Well... I think we're talking about, this is, I'm understanding you correctly, is that we have a human condition, right? And the human condition is we want things and we want things for ourselves. And then of course, from there, we also want things for the world, but within the things we want for ourselves, one of the things that we're very deeply engaged with as humans, men and women alike, you know, or however you want to identify within that is we want to be loved And we want to love and so human relationship both the let's say romantic erotic sexual aspect and the living in the world being acknowledged by other humans as a human in the world is super super important to us yeah and to a certain degree realms like let's say human performance or making money or optimizing one's environment Feed in and out of that, you know, meaning why does somebody want to make a lot of money? Well, Mm -hmm. okay, there's, you know, being safe, but then beyond that, there's status and there's opportunity and things like that. Why do you want to optimize life? Well, so you have time available for the things you really want to do. And a lot of these things have to do with relationship and sex and the acquisition and exchange of that. So That entire realm that you and I both swim in as far as our profession is a realm that is very important to a lot of people. It's also a realm in which there is not a lot of, let's say, innate, intuitive information available from the way we grow up, simply because a lot of the information that needs to be imparted for somebody to be... Let's say sexually active and viable can't be imparted till people are of age and you know all of that. But also, we don't go to relationship school the way we go to learn math or a language. Yeah, we go to relationship school and making big quotation marks <laughs> here by getting imprinted by the people who raise us and are yeah. around us, or nowadays also what we see on the on you know online. Yeah, so. That entire field is a field that by its very definition is kind of the wild west of human development. (laughs) And so now in the wild west of human development, you have people who have seriously engaged in the practical aspects of that for a number of years, in my case, 26 to be exact. Mm -hmm. And so I was in the trenches of that long before Instagram or influencers or online courses or, you know, any of Mm -hmm. the things that are available now. So back then, how you became engaged in this field was typically as a counselor or a coach. In my case, I was a relationship counselor and I also worked in a very high trauma, like meaning people very traumatized or personality disordered dual diagnosis drug rehab, so clinical settings. So When you were engaged in that domain, in that field, you had to actually sit in a chair across from a human and engage with them in their human experience. And that's a very different thing than when you offer an online course. It's a very different thing than when you espouse your ideas of how it should be without ever having seen that in action. And so... What's the problem in my estimation nowadays is there's people who heard stuff from people who heard stuff from people who took it from people who didn't authorize them to take it, who themselves perhaps were taught or experienced that themselves, right? That's often how it goes Yeah. in variations thereof. Or people discover books that were cool in the 70s or 80s and they behave as if that's new information Mm -hmm. when that's actually information that in further iterations has already been discarded by the people who wrote the books, right? Because they're actual practitioners and things like that. So, and then we have a a culture where it's important that you cater to people's pain points, right? (laughs) And you you sell them the things that they have the Uh most fear and contraction about, and you give them a quick fix. So, you know, that's one realm and then the other realm, and that's my personal um, pet peeve, so to speak, is that essentially there's people who are ideologically possessed and for whatever reason, right, we have them in all domains because it's easy to be ideologically possessed now because everybody's an expert based on the fact that they heard things mm-hmm. or read things or being fed information by somebody. And there's, of course, political ideological position, but I'm talking about the ideological position of how a relationship should be, or how men and women should behave, or if there is even men or women, or, you know, any of right. those things can you can congeal about, where you forget that amongst, you know, all those considerations, there's one simple truth, we're human, we have a heart, we want to love, we want to be loved, we can develop compassion, we can have Connection to our body and everything else is an individual process where there can be guidelines and where you can learn skills. But then, how that translates is so far away from, you know, women are this, men are this, as you can possibly get. And so, what I've been seeing recently, which is hilarious, and unfortunately, I've seen this also done to my very own book and my very own work. Is people who kind of rephrase things back to early iterations of stuff because it's kind of, they start at a place that's so unexamined that they can only see things that anybody who is a practitioner, meaning who works with people, with real people in a committed environment where you actually have to see through what you give people. It's nice to do an online course and say, hey, do this. It's going to make your sex life great. You're not there when the shit goes south. You're not there when the relationship destroys because one person accuses the other person of not being whatever, fill in the blank enough. And so I think there's a total lack of accountability in what people spout out there in the, let's say, virtual place. And yeah, I mean, we all like a quick fix. We all like to take uh, the pill that makes it all okay. And so when you buy the pill that makes it all okay, and then it doesn't work, you move on perhaps. And that's fine, but are you served is the question. And so I think there is some people who are really intent on serving people. There's some people who are really into what they're doing because it's not only worked for them but they have successfully given it to many other people who have benefited from it Mm -hmm. but you know one vein of marketing is hi I am whatever I used to be as fucked up as you are Mm -hmm. and look how great I am Mm -hmm. so if you want to be like me and you have the same fuck ups I had let me give you the 12-step plan to being like me Now, I know a lot of these people because they come to my teacher trainings and they are not who they say they are. And what they sell doesn't line up with who they are. Mm -hmm. And with that said, now we're all humans. We all have pockets of that. But as a marketing tool, it's questionable because you're essentially saying, let's cater to the lowest common denominator and let me make myself into the avatar of who you should be versus saying, hey, I got some tools. You want them to Mm -hmm. apply to your life the way you want your life to be. But that's harder to market, of course. Right. And it's also harder to back up your claims if you have to actually show that works versus say that it works.
1: Yeah. It reminds me of a lot of like in the internet marketing world, a lot of people lead with, you know, I made a hundred thousand dollars in in you know two months, and let me show you how. Well, the way that they made that hundred thousand dollars in two months is by showing other people how to make a hundred thousand dollars in two months.
0: yeah, you know. that's exactly what it is. And there's a lot of that. And, you know, I mean, I'm not opposed for people to learn how to maximize their knowledge base, but, The thing is, you gotta have a knowledge base. And the most important thing is you have to have a knowledge base that's earned and known and metabolized and understood if you want to last. And also if you want to do benefit and not harm. But that said, there's people who do great stuff. And then there's people who just take things from other people and slightly repackage them and call it something different. And they don't even have the... You know, the decency to quote their sources or they don't even know their sources anymore because they got it from somebody who took it from somebody, you know, and so on. So I think when we talk about it, you know, because we're talking about this in the context of what's out there, I think it's very important to really take a step back and go, what do I really need? And are the things that I'm looking for things that where I'm looking for a quick fix, or am I actually willing to engage with this from a much more, let's say, holistic viewpoint of taking all aspects of me into consideration?
1: Yeah. I'd like to talk about one of the predominant themes, at least again, in, in the world of relationship and sexuality and intimacy, this, the masculine feminine theme. Right. In the vein of what we're exploring right now, what do people, I don't know, get wrong or oversimplify? You know, I see a little bit of an evolution where people are acknowledging masculine doesn't mean man and feminine doesn't mean woman, but there's still this, I see an, a, a, a dramatic simplification. And again, I was guilty of this at, at, at a time when the world was just so much more, <laughs> before I'd been married for, you know, eight years and before I'd worked with actual couples for ten years, like you know, the, things were so much easier, like you said, when it was just a theory in my head. you know, let's start w- with that. What's your pet peeve about that? What are people getting wrong? Help us unpack that a little bit.
0: I mean, we can talk about what people do endlessly, and people do all kinds of stuff that neither you nor I can even wrap our mind around. So I want to go the other way around, okay. and so the other way around is what is useful. Right. So the reason why people talk about masculine and feminine, where this came from, because it's really important to understand where this stuff comes from, because most people don't even know where it comes from and why it's so misleading to say masculine and feminine. As you know, I no longer use these terms at all, other than in the way the terms are traditionally used, because traditionally masculine means a man. Belonging to a man, and feminine means attributed or belonging to a woman. That's all it means, Mm. right? So that's it. It, They're gendered terms, and there's nothing wrong with gendered terms to describe certain things, but not others, right? Mm -hmm. So yes, there's a human being with a penis and and a pair of testicles, you know, that's a man. Now, there's people who argue with that, but that's right, a different right. conversation, yeah, but we're talking now just it's not even biology, it's just what's been out there in the world since language, yeah,
1: yeah, yeah.
0: and that's why it's so important to not use those words because okay. those words are not applicable for what we're talking about, right. And that's very important to understand because that's what gets us into all these wars and gender wars and, you know, all kinds of things. It's like, well, yeah, you describe things. Something is an animal because it's an animal, right? If I say my dog is an animal, you know, I can say this is animal behavior, but it's still my dog and my beloved child and I have a relationship with it, right? (laughs) So, So it's like that. It's a term. And as that term, you can use it. To support one aspect of a person's experience. But what we're talking about in relationships goes beyond that by far, right? So, where it comes from, though, and this is important to understand, is that, of course, in the tantric philosophies, there is a, and we're talking, you know, many thousand years back, both in the oral and the written tradition. There is a pointing towards energies within each human, and those energies within each human were then attributed in writings very often to a male and a female god, representation of god. As you well know, in the Hindu, you know, tantric tradition, all god, there's one god, but that god has a million female and a million male representations. And some representations, like Ardenari, are male and female at the same time, right? So you have a pantheon of gods that are representative of the different aspects that is a human. I mean, it's not that hard to understand, right? Yeah. So all the flavors of humanity, there are some male ones, there's some female ones, there are some that are both, there are some that are so exalted that they are neither. Right. And so in the writings of the Tantric traditions, which are often used for the sacred sexuality tropes of modern times in the Neo-Tantra and beyond that, you then have Shiva and Shakti, yeah. Shiva being the male god, Shakti being the female god. So then Shakti and Shiva have these dialogues, as for instance, mm-hmm. in you know, you see in the Vijnana Bhairava Tantra, right? You have the, the, the Radiant Sutras. The Radiant right? Sutras, for instance. That, yes. Yeah. So the Radiant Sutras is one version of the Vijnana Bhairava Tantra. You know, there's many translations and interpretations where you have a god and a goddess speak to the different experiences that are possible in a human being. And it's specifically to illuminate the erotic play of duality right so the erotic play of duality meaning the tension between night and day the tension between a god and the goddess the tension between flow and go as i call them because i don't say masculine feminine right so that's an erotic uprising and, and engagement and a friction so to speak in the, my tradition we call it erotic friction you know that's how it's translated so that erotic friction is what you play with when you play, let's say, in that sexual domain of the tantric engagement, which goes beyond sex, of course, mm-hmm. into the understanding that there's a duality or polarity in all, and then that kind of goes away as you essentially merge with all there is, you know, infinity, the universe, God, you know, wh- however you want to phrase that. So that's where it's coming from. Yeah. Now, in a simpler time, meaning the 60s, 70s, and a little bit before then for some people who brought those Tantric teachings over, and by the way, that same concept also exists in occult or pagan context or Mm -hmm. context, where you have that duality. Duality creates a certain kind of, let's say, sacred sexuality engagement. And then from there, there is practices and ways that you prepare your body for that kind of engagement, right? Mm-hmm. So then in simpler times, that was translated into what most people knew, which was a man and a woman wanting to be sexual. And then off we went with masculine and feminine. Yeah. And, you know, and it's a, it's a useful lens, but it's such a narrow lens mm-hmm. that the totality of a human experience, particularly and most importantly in the context of trauma and familial or attachment imprints is not useful. It's a good thing to go, oh yeah, I do these things because X. But beyond that, unless you are a serious practitioner of tantric sexual yoga, where you have channels and things and different people in the equation do different things, It's not useful to look at it from that viewpoint.
1: Well, uh, there's a lot of connections I'm making as you're talking. Like, for example, uh, it just leaps out at me that our modern Western society, we don't have a pantheon of feminine and masculine expressions of God. We have one God and it's a dude. You know, we have a masculine God. That's all we get. (laughs) One flavor.
0: Technically, we got Mother <laughs> Mary and and for some people, the Holy Ghost, right? So technically, we could slice it differently, but you're correct. That's not how it's sliced typically. Yeah. But even in that, right, when you look at it, you know, like if you look at it from a mystical viewpoint, right, you can see the same plays of the, let's say, passionate excitement and flow and the strong goal in even, you know, in a, Christi- in a Christian um, mystic sense and stuff like that, it's there. And it's not just a dude and a woman. It's all things.
1: Yeah. Well, let's talk about go and flow for a moment, those terms. And you use the word useful. And that is something, you know, in, in my work... I've banished the words right and wrong because I just find they invite argument. They they're moralistic. Those are for philosophical conversations for the most part, I mean, but I love using the words useful, what is useful or not useful, what is connecting or disconnecting, what is maybe skillful or unskillful, et cetera. I I just find using different language that opens up possibilities rather than drives us into, nope, this is how it must be. And if you're not conforming to that, well, then that's your problem, get in line with the ideology. So go and flow. How do you find that language can be helpful to relationship dynamics? Just leave it big open question. You're listening to men this way. I'm your host, Brian Reeves. I trust you're feeling inspired by this conversation, and I want to cut in real quick and let you know that Elevate 2024, my year-long coaching journey for men committed to thriving in every domain of life, is now open for enrollment. I'm only inviting 10 men to go through all of 2024 with me, personally, on this adventure of a lifetime. Now, who's this for? It's for you if you have achieved some level of success, yet still feel unfulfilled, or you're just seeking a greater level of fulfillment than you now have. This is for you if you're committed to rising above the distractions and compulsions that are sabotaging you from living your fullness as a man. If you're genuinely done trying to lone wolf it through life, bear all your burdens alone, this adventure is for you. If you're stuck in some critical area and ready for a breakthrough, or you know you need to be challenged and supported by other men to help move you along on the journey of becoming the man you were born to be, this is for you. I mean, essentially, if you're genuinely committed to thriving in your life, this is for you. Elevate 2024 includes personal coaching with me throughout the entire year and alongside a select group of trustable men going through this experience with you. We'll also meet in person for a five-day retreat midway through in a beautiful spot in nature. Through this experience, these men and I will become your brothers for life. You will be challenged to go beyond your comfort zone, and you will be celebrated when you succeed and even when you fail, but you did the thing you were afraid to do. Because this experience isn't just about making more money or gaining status or achieving more of anything, which often just leads to still feeling that painful, empty void that haunts us men. No, it's about you stepping more deeply into your courageously authentic self, more fully offering your gifts to your loved ones, to your family, your community, and to the world. Whatever that looks like for you. If this intrigues you, get the details, and if you dare, apply at brianreavescom slash elevate. Now, this isn't for everyone, but if you have an inkling it might be for you, apply now. Just take the next step. This could be one of the greatest gifts you ever give yourself. The gift of brotherhood with extraordinary men on an extraordinary adventure in 2024 go to brianreeves.com slash elevate. That's Brian with a Y, reeves.com slash elevate for details and to apply. All right, let's pick up where we left off with today's guest on Men This Way.
0: Yeah. Well, I'll, I want to just say one more thing about the how is masculine and feminine detrimental and that leads okay. us in the relationship thing, right? Yeah. So the way it's often phrased now in the landscape of relationship advice and relationship coaching is that you have to be X in order for your partner to be Y, right? And... It only works if you have one very masculine, one very feminine. And then people go, yeah, it's not about men and women. It's about poles, which I also have you know, said in previous iterations of my existence. right? But eventually you come to the understanding that it's dynamics, it's human dynamics, and they have to do with preference, right? And they have to do with how you engage in your life. And so what's not useful is to make somebody wrong for something that's clearly and strongly there without giving an understanding and the permission to also embrace the other aspect that, you know, if you say to somebody, you are not masculine enough, what you're saying is you're making them wrong for something that's actually a strong suit, Mm -hmm. which is sensitivity, connectedness. Uh, an ability to flow, an ability to relax and uh, be collaborative. That's what you're saying, right? And then, of course, what you're saying is you need to be X in order for your woman to like you, which is total bullshit because if you do that, she'll complain that you are an insensitive idiot (laughs) and whatever, right? But the key Uh is not to create an artificial gender war or make people wrong for who they are. Mm. The key is to understand and give tools for the empowerment of a human yeah. to be everything that they are natively mm-hmm. and perhaps acquire some skill that helps them in their relationship because yeah. there is dynamics. Yeah, right? Right. I'm going to talk about those dynamics both for men and women and then we can go into what happens when a man and woman go together, what happens when a man and man go together, what happens when... you know, There's different ways that you can slice that. And so your sexual preference has nothing to do with go and flow originally, mm-hmm. right? Then we can talk about sexual preference and how that looks. If you even want to apply it sexually, well, don't. Um, but I go somewhere totally different because that's how I do it in my work. Okay. Uh, so that it's completely taken out of this whole masculine, feminine crazy. Great, great. Right? Let's take it out. So human beings, <laughs> all human beings, regardless of whatever else there is, have a very simple setup, which is that we are powered by electrical energy. The electrical energy drops, is produced and drops from the cortex of your brain into your system. Neurons, you know, habits, patterns, neurotransmitters, the body, muscles, nerves, whatever, right? I'm not a neuroscientist, so I'm not going to go any more than that. But we have an output of electrical energy on the brain that electrical energy drops into our body, makes our body function, hopefully optimally, and gives us uh, mental capacity. Mostly, we have established patterns and habits that are the pathways through which the electrical energy travels. And then those pathways hold all kinds of information from emotional to the technical aspects of what neurotransmitters you need to movement, to thought, to whatever, right? So that's a very basic, forgive anyone who, you know, whose field this is for making it that simple. But so what you need to know fundamentally before you go into all these areas is that contrary to a computer, a human brain cannot be upgraded. You know, you have a certain amount of RAM, so to speak, and that's it. You can go up and down a teeny tiny little bit. That's it. You can't Mm. plug in more RAM. I know they're trying, but that's the way it goes. (laughs) So what this means is that the body is a genius of allocating energy where it's needed. So meaning your body's constantly moving energy, electrical energy, and with that attention and focus and all of that from where you need it and away from where it's not needed.
1: I love that how you're just let's get us down to brass tacks, like what is actually happening in the body, out of the fantasy of things and the big stories, let's just ground in what is happening in this moment and and at as root a level as it serves us to go right now. I, I love that.
0: Exactly. Right. So that's where we're at as human beings. What this means is that constantly the body pulls energy from where it's not needed and puts it where it's needed. Now, that is what allows us to live, to survive, and eventually also to thrive when we know what we're doing, right? Mm-hmm. So in conjunction with that, we have a nervous system that is very specifically built, obviously, right, to make us survive. And so we have these two branches. We have, there's more, much more to the nervous system, but the two branches most people know about is sympathetic, parasympathetic, or... Colloquially, fight or flight and uh, rest and digest, or feed or breed, sometimes, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. Those two aspects have to work together and they work harmoniously together so you can be as close to homeostasis as possible, which is important to know because there's also the same people who fetishize masculine and feminine often fetishize relaxation and, you know, Mm -hmm. the kind of rest and digest aspect and vilify fight or flight. But you have to have both, otherwise, you couldn't live. And also, yeah. you wouldn't be able to regulate because it takes both to regulate the system.
1: I see the fetishizing of yes, like extreme self care and relaxation, but also then extreme drive and ambition and direction, you know, on the go side. Like there's this man worship in the manosphere of the man that is just driven on purpose he tells his woman i'm not available to you right now i'm on my mission <laughs> i've got shit to do and you need to respect that and any woman who doesn't respect you know and on and on and on and on so yeah that lands
0: well here's the thing if that is truly how it is fine but if that's an affectation of an ideology it's gonna crash pretty quickly right, right.
1: An imposition um, on us yeah
0: for that yeah. too yeah. But yeah. some people are just built like that, but they typically don't have partners, right? Um,
1: <laughs> right. right, yeah. Built so yeah. Yeah.
0: like that, often don't yeah. have traditional partners, yeah. and some people who would use it as an affectation will burn out on that, which we've also seen because those concepts have been around long enough. But for some people, that is actually true. But then they are not tense about it, right? That's the that's mm. where I'm getting to. So yeah. Good. anyway, Good. so we have nervous system, you know, and we have energy distribution. So now you look at an average human doing whatever, you know, human things a human does, and you'll see that wherever you have the most attention, the energy flows. That's why it's called energy flows where attention goes. So right now you and I sit in chairs talking to each other and You are following me, I'm speaking or the other way around. So we need most, we have attention up here and that's where we need the most energy. So in order to facilitate that and fire on all cylinders, our body will naturally move all the energy where we need it. So that's just the way it goes. What does that mean? Very much like any other human activity, the things you do the most have the strongest pathways. So most of us do this a lot more than we do sex or embodiment or the talk,
1: talking head thing.
0: The talking head thing the thinking the doing the yeah. getting shit done. That's yeah. the go aspect. Oh, okay. Right? Yeah, yeah. And so the go aspect in every human being requires that you focus your attention, you speak, you think, you conceptualize, you get stuff done, you plan, you give orders and all of that, right? So that's the go aspect in every human, which is, by the way, supported by the flow aspect, which is, amongst other things, the ability to shift energy in the body, the ability to think creatively, the ability to feel while you are going, you know, and stuff like that. So it's not go or flow, it's always both. It's like my fight or flight is way higher right now than my rest and digest, obviously, because I'm getting it, so to speak, mm-hmm. right? And that requires a certain get up and go that has a certain pulse raising, focus, narrow energy, right? So so you could say that one of my nervous systems is, you know, more activated than the other, but the other is there. Otherwise, I'd like pop out of my head yeah and then hopefully if i'm somewhat integrated i'll down regulate and stuff like that so the same happens with go and flow and so it is now said very often that the what i just described as go is the masculine domain meaning it's mm-hmm. what men do right while we little women would be so much happier <laughs> in our neotantric 50s fantasy of serving the man Uh and doing the things and relaxing. and That's total Uh bullshit, of course, (laughs) right? We all have those aspects at all times. Uh And there's nothing wrong with a woman being able to think properly and execute stuff and get things done. Here's where the problem comes. And here's where a lot of these tropes kick in. Whatever you do the most, men and women alike, is what creates the strongest habits. So when you do 12 hours of this, that is your strong muscle, right? So I, say, I had a call this morning with about feminine embodiment specifically and what that means. And mm-hmm. I was saying that essentially many of us are like those dudes who go to the gym and they're incredibly buff up here mm-hmm. and have skinny little legs and no ass, right?
1: <laughs> because
0: yeah. we train the upper realm, the goal realm, a lot yeah. more than we train the flow realm. Okay. So that's number one. This is true for men and women alike. Sure. Now, then, though, comes something else. And this is the important thing to dismantle this horrible trope, which is what makes it a problem is not that you are able to do that. What makes it a problem is if you get stuck there. And you can get stuck there three ways, so to speak. Number one, you get stuck there because that's all you do. So you only have habit patterns or muscle for that. And you're super weak in the other domain. You can get stuck there because it's very stressed or it was or is very stressful for you to do that. So you have habitual clench that makes it so the energy can't naturally reverse when needed. Mm-hmm. So that would be the same as being in chronic flight or flight as well just as an equation, right? That often they play together. Yep. Or you had trauma or things like that that keep you there because that's what's safe. And the third one, and this is the one that you asked me about earlier, is the third one would be that you ideologically, you know, stick those things into, into a concrete, and I'm using the word concrete both in the actual concrete and, you know, concrete form, meaning uh-huh. you... you Kind of solidify that, and then, with that exaggerate and make those you know habits even stronger, so that that can happen right, but then the same thing can happen in the other domain, which is you are so engaged in what I now call the flow aspect that you are not capable of flipping out of that as well, right mm-hmm. so people who are too in the flow aspect are people like you said who've kind of. Fetishized, being you know, let's say, hyper emotional and irrational, ditzy, all over the place, unorganized, you know, eat a lot, hedonistic lifestyle, right. like
1: just take care of myself constantly, just constantly, you bath, know, baths and massages and.
0: Yeah, well, that's still on the more healthier way, but then also eating a lot, drugs, okay. emotion, un, unexamined emotion. That's the extreme end of that, okay. which is gotcha. the yeah. Yeah. And of course, the healthy flow is the ability to mobilize your creative, erotic, sexual, relational, intuitive, and let's say lower body power. Which we all have, we just typically don't spend quite as much time cultivating it nowadays. Yeah. So.
1: Yeah, I know the. I know that these are things are so they're very complex and very layered when you get into the actual dynamics of of two people, let's say, in a relationship. As you said, I I do a lot of talking head stuff. Look, I go to the gym. I do what I can. I, I eat well, but I'm so much more practiced at that, and I. Certainly, you can notice the challenge of then getting into a flow state, say with my partner, because there is a tension that keeps me up here, right? And I understand, you know, I've seen this, I've heard this, gotten this feedback from women as well that when they're in the go state a lot, also, you know, men that I've worked with who are married to women that are maybe working professionals or they're in a a world of pursuing self development, they're they're just finally. Wanting to do some inner growth work or whatever that may be, and they're getting into a lot of go mode, a lot of times their sexuality collapses.
0: Well, yeah, of course, because if you don't give it energy, it's not going to just hang around, right? And that's why I'm starting at the energy level, because Mm -hmm. of course, you know, this is not rocket science, it's neuroscience, but you know what I mean? (laughs) Uh It's like for both. You know, partners, if you spend a lot of time in your head, that's where you meet and you have these intellectual conversations, but nobody wants to have sex, of course. If you are only in the body and only body-based, then you'll probably have a hard time navigating your life. And then that creates a whole other set of practice requirements. But for the most part, what we're dealing with is both partners, regardless if they're men or women, like being habitually up. Right. And not able to be down. And in down, for both men and women, is the connection with the intuition and the power and the relational aspects. This is where it gets dicey, right? Meaning, in people who have the reproductive ups and downs of hormone flow and endocrine system and whatever else, a lot of energy is needed to supply. Our sex organs as well as our pelvic floor, our bladder, our perineum, our sphincter, all of those things that hang together with reproductive activity you know, to support the uterus, to support ovulation, or later on in life to support healthy, you know, transition out of that. You do need a bit more energy. Mm-hmm. You know, you do need a lot more energy actually than like for instance, somebody who essentially doesn't have a uterus.
1: Like the typical man, again, and I know it gets dicey and as you're pointing at, this is where people start to get on the, the road of, know. of ideological, this is how men are and this is how women are. And I don't prescribe to that. I do know that like for a lot of, again, just personal experience and men I work with can be in the go mode, you know, dip down into our balls for half an hour, do the sex thing and then we're out again. It doesn't require, as you say, a lot of of energy. And I see that dynamic so common where men and it's not always this way. Sometimes I, I've also, you know, seen it where women are the ones that want to dip into that sexual moment. Let's get in, get out, because I got shit to do.
0: Thank you for saying this, because this is exactly the point. There is a reproductive aspect to it that has to do with blood flow, mm-hmm. but from the goal flow mode there's also different ways that you have sex differently if we just talk sex right well we want to go deeper than sex because sex when you're kind of more in a go fight but also fight flight mode is in out release (laughs) right it has a function it's a go thing when you're in a flow mode it's a connection opening feeling being with each other right kind of a thing and so Regardless of who is in the head, the sexual style of in the head is, come on, let's do it. Let's get it done. But then it's like, well, shit, I don't feel anything. No, because you're up here and you haven't listened to down here,
1: right? Yeah.
0: And and so there is that style and then there's the style of the connection. But typically how it goes in relationship is that you lead at least one person on each side to pull the other one out of the thing that they're in, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Meaning somebody's got to go, hey, let's do this. And the other person has to go, Yeah, really? I want to go along with this, right? Uh-huh. That is now what we call polarity. Mm-hmm. It has nothing to do with men and women per se. It has to do with the fact that in the sexual occasion, if two people just play, it's super sensual. It's like what people do when they're like on whatever, MDMA or something like that. It's <laughs> yeah. not, there's no driving Let's get somewhere. It's
1: well, not orgasm if, focused. It's not let's no. get to the end. It's of just this. like
0: we're on a ride together. Oh, look at the flowers. Oh, look at them. Right. Yeah. Like that's one style. And then there's the other style, which is, you know, let's get with it and let's do right. it. And, and of course, that's two of the same. And that creates a very specific dynamic. Yeah. And then yeah. there is the thing that most of us find interesting which is once again what i talked about at the very beginning the play of shiva and shakti not as in man and woman but as the duality the two different things Mm -hmm. that together make that that homeostatic amazing thing happen right yeah so you need one of each so you need a goer and a flower for the sexual occasion.
1: And then let me ask you about this, though, because I, I, you know, just reflecting on, again, my own experience, because that's the only embodied experience I have is my own. I don't know what anyone else is feeling in their bodies, experiencing their bodies. But in in lovemaking, if I'm just in go mode, that tends to not really go over well with my partner because I'm so focused on, let's fucking do this already. Let's like, like, I'm wanting to blow past her. She's probably wanting to go slower. (laughs) I'm like, let's go right? There's an impatience arises in me. And if I'm just in flow mode, my mind starts to wander. Like if I'm just so attentive, okay, I'm going to be so attentive. I'm going to be soft. I'm going to do exactly what I think she wants. And she'll even show me, let's say, and okay, so I'm going to do that thing because I'm flowing with her. But now my mind will start to disappear because that's like, I'm losing something that can yes. happen. But putting those two together, okay, we're, we, we are going somewhere, but I am also tapped into the flow of how this is moving.
0: Correct. And this is you just explained why this whole being your masculine, being your feminine, you'll have great sex does not work. Right. Because if right. you're just in your masculine, right, or in your go, you won't have the ability to ping your partner's needs and desires. And of course, if she's only in her go, she's gonna just tell you how to do it and not actually receive it. Right. And if she's only flow, she won't be able to also let you know what's happening for her. And, you know, so that's why it's important to understand that there is dynamics and the right. dynamics have very little to do with just go and flow. What they yeah. do have to do with is what you animate. Right. So another way of saying that is you got to be sensitive and connected and finally feeling, you got to know where it's going. So go and flow are playing together, right? she's got to be relaxed and open enough to want to engage because in a woman's body, you know, there has to be blood flow down there and Mm -hmm. all of that. Mm -hmm. So there has to be that physical aspect to it, which is true for men too. If you have nothing going on down there, you're not going to have an erection, right? Right. So this is why it's so important to understand that these things are super dynamic, but she also needs to know, for instance, likes and dislikes or her boundaries or things like that, right? Right. Good, really good hot sex requires for both people to have some go going so that you know where your boundaries are and also where your needs are, for instance. Right,
1: right. right so, right.
0: how you want to play with it when we look at the purely sexual aspect of that is that you have a wide variety of skills available to you, yeah. both in the go and in the flow aspect.
1: Right. Man or woman, whatever you are, like just having that range of skills.
0: That's correct. So you need to be able to have some skills, meaning where you're going and what you want with it, and then have some skills to back that up, of course, right? If you have no skills, you can know where you want to go all (laughs) the way. It's like trying to climb a mountain without a rope, right? You must have rope. Right, Uh Uh but, But at the same time, you also need to be relaxed and in your body enough so that your body can participate and then what happens is when that happens and now we come back to what i started with in the beginning when that happens meaning when you've installed practices via practice patterns of go and flow that are accessible for both people then the genius of our systems makes it that the play becomes one somebody leads somebody follows and the other person leads and then follows or one animates more of one and one animates more of the other for the sake of the enjoyment, right? Yeah, yeah. So, for instance, one of the big issues that couples have is when the woman starts telling the guy how to do it while they're doing it, right? There can only be one person in the driver's seat. And when one person, you know, is going, you are not doing this right while the other person is trying to drive, You know what that feels like. So these now are dynamics that can be addressed in the context of allowing experimentation, doing the not both driving at the same time, so to speak. Maybe that switches. Maybe one person does a thing, the other one sees if that feels good. And if it doesn't, you take over and you do something else. And then it's leading and following. For leading and following, both people have to be very engaged. Dynamic leading and following is a much better way to uh, look at the sexual aspect. Once you have developed your ability to be both feeling and sensitive and directed and knowing what you want, right? Then you have a ballgame, essentially.
1: Michaela, so someone's listening to this and they're realizing, wow, like, Sexually, we're not clicking. We're just not clicking. And they're seeing some of the patterns. Maybe it's, it is the pattern of, you know, guys in go mode a lot. I think I see a a lot of the different spectrum, but I guess the guys that are the loudest are the ones that are in go mode and they're wanting to have sex with their wives, but their wives are just not into it for whatever reason. I, I think that's the loudest, the men that are more in flow mode and aren't getting the sex that necessarily they want. I don't hear them talk about that as much but the go mode the go mind i see that a lot so anyway a guy can relate to this he's saying holy moly this is going on what is a first thing a first step a a how could he begin to practice something different to interrupt yeah. a pattern
0: yeah that's a very good question because that's the question to ask right so the question to ask is not is he wrong or is there something wrong with him mm-hmm. but what else could he learn So that part of his life becomes more interesting. So if we just talk about that guy, then the answer is practice getting into the body and do it so often that when you want to, you have a pattern there. So what does practice getting into the body mean? It means understanding that all the energy is up here. And not a lot of the energy is down there. And down there is not just erection, it's feeling, it's intuition, it's connection, it's collaboration, it's creativity, which is very important in sex. Right? Creativity is 90% of what makes sex good, right? So because it's the new arising of existing things. So how do you do that? Well, you have to do it on a daily basis. You have to do it like a practice, like you go to the gym. So that when you need it, there's a muscle there and you don't have to just white knuckle it, which is very hard. So what do you do as a guy who is in that position? Well, and you hear now the optimizers talk about this too all the time. (laughs) I'm rolling my eyes, but I listen to some of those optimizer podcasts on occasion in the sauna. That's my preferred podcast moment. And even they get hip to the fact that you have to stop and you have to move your body and you have to do things in what now is called Altradian rhythms, right? Where you essentially alternate heavy go mode with embodiment, with flow mode. And so that's the key is to break up these pieces throughout the day and do it religiously where you leave that behind and you reverse the energy flow. How do you reverse the energy flow? Well, the simplest way is a, a few bodyweight squats, Simplest way is actually moving your hips, which of course guys don't always want to do, but it's important to move the hips. A good way to reverse the energy flow is to lay on the ground, to crawl on the ground, to move in ways that have no structure to it, you know, to essentially shake things out, to go and lean against a tree and look at nature, to see a sunset to drink a cup of tea and actually drink a cup of tea and not scroll through your phone, Mm -hmm. to have social media breaks, phone breaks, you know, device breaks throughout the day, even if it's just for five minutes, so that the flow can reverse. Once you know how to reverse the flow, then you can do that before a sexual occasion. Because the problem is he isn't in his body. She isn't in her body. She... Will be even less in her body when he comes at her like a you know torpedo. Yeah, because he's still telling yeah. people what to do, right? So yes. To, yes. he's still delivering some important information.
1: Yeah,
0: then that either pulls her into her head or she hasn't even gotten back into the body. Yeah. So the key for most, let's say, sexual disconnection ailments is for both humans to first before they become polarized individuals to actually come back to the body, come back to nature, come back to their nature, have a moment of connecting with themselves, connecting with the natural world, whatever that means, even if it's just the ground. And then from there, willingly choosing a kind of who starts going somewhere and who follows, right? Leading and following is one way that you can talk about that.
1: Yeah, what, you know, like, even when you said you, when you're drinking tea, drink tea, drink the tea. What I'm seeing there is a, a, just the a simple practice of feeling the warmth of the liquid going down your throat, taking deep breaths, like, really, it's a slowing down, but it's a, a paying attention, really. Yeah. Paying attention, yeah. coming into the moment. I, you know, in my work with you, I remember in one of your workshops that you and Steve were co-leading that you gave me a definition of intimacy that has been revolutionary for me. I've brought this into my work and I I credit you all all the time when I say this, because that's important. I, I learned that from you as well. Thank you for that gift many years ago. Let's honor our teachers. That intimacy, that seeing what is there to be seen and feeling what is there to be felt. What a revolutionary concept. Yeah. And yet, you know, there's nothing, I don't know, abstract or mystical about that, you know, intimacy into me. I see all the clever things people do with intimacy. And that's all fun and fine. You know, and that that has, I suppose, has its place. But just simply feeling what is there to be felt and seeing what is there to be seen. That idea has been revolutionary for me personally. And and that's what I'm hearing. You also like the invitation into to this word embodiment like being embodied. know. Oh, again, a big part of what I learned through working with you and Steve was this thing of embodiment, of just coming into my body.
0: And that's why I started by talking about energy dropping yeah. from the cortex. Right? I love that. Because the thing is, all the other things are just concept and lenses yeah. until your body is involved. And that's why I often talk about rewilding and things like that. Because when we really boil it down to, you know, beyond all of the, the stuff that people say, if you can't listen to what your body says, you're useless as a lover and as a human, so to speak, because you are operating in a closed system, which is just your head feeding you stuff.
1: Well, I mean, just over the summer. I hurt my bicep because I was in the gym cranking away. It wasn't the first time I'd done this, but I was in my fantasy overriding what was going on. I could feel my bicep was telling me, stop. I don't like this. But I was like, now oh, that feels amazing. I'm crushing this. Wow, you feel that burn in there? Whatever. It wasn't a burn. I was straining my damn bicep.
0: That's pretty much the metaphor for most <laughs> sexual ailments, right? Yeah. There is human dynamics and there are sexual dynamics and there is stuff that happens between people in sex, right? But much more important is, can you be with your body? If the answer is yes, you can be with somebody else's body. And Steve always says, when we talk about intimacy, he says, there's no informed consent
1: for intimacy,
0: meaning you don't know what you're going to feel there. And so the important piece there, and this brings us back to your first question about the fire, right? When you are actually intimately connected with your entire being, including the body, some of the things you will find there are not pleasant. And it is very important to acknowledge them, like you with your biceps. What you felt there wasn't pleasant. You made it pleasant by going, oh my God, that's the burn. When actually what it was, your biceps about to snap, right?
1: Yeah, I was hurting myself. Couldn't use my bicep for like a month after.
0: Correct. That's the analogy of what I was saying earlier when you go, oh, I've lost all my possessions. That must give me great spiritual prowess, right? (laughs) I've forgotten the main thing, which is the sucks and it hurts, and I must proceed Uh very carefully so that hurt doesn't bleed out into the rest of my life forever and ever as a bitterness or something. And that's true in sexual relationship and relationship, which is whatever we find there is the information we need to make it better. It's not to be bypassed with some trope of how we should be. It's to be set in for a moment, even if it's painful or unpleasant, so that you from there can make an informed decision on how you want to work with it. And that's what ultimately makes relationships function, when you can actually allow yourself to feel what there is to be felt and not have to immediately cram it into a lens so you can fix
1: it. Kayla, your name is on a very short list of (laughs) people that I respect and refer other people to, right? In terms of, you know, when they want to work in this domain. You've said a lot of things here that we had a really profound discussion at the beginning of this about the origins of certain terms and the frames people are seeing things through. And in the latter half, we're getting into... I think some real practical concerns that couples listening to this, men and women will be able to relate to. So where can people work with you? How can they dive more into your work?
0: Well, the most immediate things that are very, very easy access and that are directly related to the relational expertise I have, right? I've done over 35,000 one-on-one client hours. So I have a vast relational expertise that then got backed up by teaching couples workshops and things like that. So the most instant access is exactly that. I have some instant access courses. There's something called the relationship course, which is all about the underpinnings of what we're talking about. There's five modules. It's very in-depth. I lead exercises, stuff like that. There's also a toolkit, a relationship discovery toolkit, which is more specifically about asking the questions that you need to ask so that you can engage in relationship. It's a good tool, but the relationship course is an instant access, quick tool. And then, of course, anything I teach on embodiment, all things around nonlinear movement are applicable to men and women alike and are supporting what we're talking about. I'm um, also this year, I'm finally back to life teaching. So, of course, there's my whole work for women around, you know, claiming pleasure and sensuality and sexuality, The Wild Woman's Way, which is a book and there's a free course and there's a toolkit and there's an instant access course and there's live workshops in Europe, U.S. and Australia. And then there's more couples-oriented stuff that's going to happen this year, Love Lineage and Liberation in Portugal and Australia. I'm probably going to do one in the U.S. as well. And then we'll do some stuff throughout the summer in all countries that are more, you know, relationship-based. I have a vast body of work and the quickest way is, you know, instant access. And then there's online courses and then there's in-person courses and retreats.
1: You can find all that on your website. On the website,
0: yes. And we're just rejigging the website. I don't know when you're going to put this out, but it will be a bit more apparent on the website, but on the workshop pages. Everything that's live or live online on the uh, instant access or on demand page is all that's available for instant download. Great. And then there's, of course, my podcast, which is essentially me working with people, answering questions, stuff Mm -hmm. like that. There's loads and loads that can be had both free and in course form.
1: Yeah, that's a fact. I mean, I've listened to your podcast over the years and your talks and uh, always so, so enlightening. I learn something from you every time I get to interact with you. And again, Michaela, you know, please know that your work reverberates through me. I hope that I do you're teaching justice at times. And I please know I too, am still learning and growing and evolving and, you know, discovering more nuance and more of the messiness and all all of that stuff. But I'm so grateful for your influence and your presence in my life. So thank you for coming on Men This Way today.
0: Well, thank you very much. I appreciate that. And you know, I'm very happy we were able to have this conversation, even though I feel we barely scratched the That's surface. That's a fact.
1: <laughs> well, I, I'd love <laughs> to have you back on for a part two in, in a few months if you'd be open to that.
0: Yeah. I mean, maybe what would be nice is if you want to gather a few questions from your people. Sure. Uh, maybe we can go like into some areas specifically because we were very broad.
1: I would welcome that. I will All I right? would work on that and get that set up. Thank you so much, uh-huh. Michaela, for your time today.
0: You're very welcome. Okay. Bye.
1: Bye-bye. <laughs> Thank you so much for listening. And thank you again to Michaela Boehm. You can find Michaela at www.michaelaboem.com. Now, of course, that name can be a bit tricky to spell. So that link and any other resources will be in the show notes at brianreeves.com slash men this way podcast. And remember, if you'd like to experience empowering transformational coaching with me personally, go to brianreeves.com slash elevate and apply to get started on your journey with me. It's Brian Reeves, Brian with a Y, reeves.com slash elevate. Also, remember to please leave a review on your podcast app. And if I read your review in a future episode, I'll hook you up with free lifetime access to one of my online courses. And don't forget to subscribe yourself while you're at it. I'm your thriving life and relationship coach, Brian Reeves, Brian with a Y, Reeves. Until soon, keep your head up your breath relaxed and your thoughts inspired.